Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los and Fish's family kitchen. In today's episode, we have the pleasure to interview Dr. Nancy Fishman. She is the founder of Forgotten Harvest, the nation's largest food recovery operation. Please enjoy the interview as much as we did. Thank you. My name is Mauricio Cordova. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm here with David Hart, uh, our, our other co-host. <laughs> Good morning, David. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Feed the Need. Thank you, David. Uh, and, you know, we have the pleasure today to have a, a, a lady that has been around the food recovery initiative and industry for a long, long time and does some fantastic work. Uh, welcome, Nancy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Great to be with you. And if I may say something, Nancy has uh, quite a bit of extensive experience with many things related to food recovery and is a personal friend, and we're so honored to have her here with us. Um, so those that uh, that get to listen to this conversation, I hope that you glean from as much of the knowledge that we share as I got to. So thank you, Nancy, once again for coming aboard. Thanks, David. Yeah, this is this is a, really a treat because, like I said, uh, she's done some fantastic work back in Detroit, and then she came back to the Bay Area. She came to the Bay Area, California, and continued doing that. So, with that kind of uh, teed in, Nancy, please tell us uh, about yourself, your background, and some of the great work that we know you've done in uh, food recovery, food waste, uh, and helping feed uh, our most needed neighbors. Sure. Uh, so. So, uh, I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, a lot of people ask me, how did I get into this work to begin with? And uh, I didn't tell this story for quite a long time, maybe 20 years. And then finally, um, I guess I needed to connect the dots. So at this point, I'm a little bit more comfortable telling the beginning, the origin of my work in this area. Uh, I was in my mid-20s and found myself divorced with a baby in diapers, and I had a very hard time making ends meet. I had not finished my education, and I some days was making a decision or a choice, trying to make a decision, um, choosing between um, serving peanut butter and jelly or using the electricity. So I had to rely on food assistance and stand in line with a lot of people waiting to um, to get help. And at that time, I experienced uh, the humiliation and desperation and fears of food insecurity. And I swore that when I got out of that situation, I would then go back and try to figure out some way to help the rest of the people in line. So years later, when I had uh, more than two pair of shoes in my closet and um, was uh, raising three children at the time, and I had finished my education. I'm a psychologist, and I finished a PhD and owned an outpatient psychiatric clinic, and uh, the kids were a little bit further along in their development, and I thought it was time for me to go back and fulfill my promise to myself. So I started to do some work locally in Detroit, the Detroit area where I was living, uh, and I, I did a few things and, and I just, I don't know, it didn't seem like whatever I was doing was really addressing the needs of the people there and the needs were really enormous. And then one day a rabbi 
came to me with a an article and said, hey, look at this. And I read the article and it was about this New Jersey woman who was picking up food in her van or Jeep or whatever um, from restaurants and bakeries and taking the food to soup kitchens. And I, I stopped dead in my tracks and I thought, <laughs> my God, I've got a Jeep. I can do that. So the very next day, um, I started circling the city and asking people for food donations, uh, perishable, edible food that would otherwise be thrown out. And I started collecting the food and I singled out uh, three uh, locations where I could take the food immediately. So I'd pick it up and then just drive it over to the soup kitchens and shelters and drop it off. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then unbeknownst to me, an article appeared in a local newspaper in Detroit talking about my work. And the very next day, an elderly couple went to their rabbi and said, we would like to donate anonymously a refrigerated van to this woman so she could continue her work and maybe augment whatever <laughs> she's doing. And I get this call from this rabbi and I think, oh my gosh, I hit the lottery. And I, I'm here I am raising three kids, I'm married, I have this clinic and I'm thinking, oh no, you know, what am I gonna do? So um, I was very great. Um, got forming a nonprofit, um, obtained a 501c3 um, status and uh, named the project Forgotten Harvest. That was 1990. Now, almost 33 years later, Forgotten Harvest in Detroit is the largest uh, perishable food rescue operation in the country. And um, we're putting about, well, soon, it will be upwards of 90 to 100 million meals on the tables of uh, people who really need the food in three counties. So it's, you know, it's a big operation. So then you asked me, okay, uh, what about California? So, so no. <laughs> And here comes. <laughs> here comes. Well, it was really hard for me to leave Detroit, you know, so rooted there. Uh, but my daughter and her family were here, and I promised her when my granddaughter started kindergarten, we would move here. And so um, with a lot, of, a lot of tears, I left Detroit. I never really left Forgotten Harvest. I'm still on the advisory board there, and I'm as active as I can be from afar. But, you know, so I came here, and of course, the first thing I did <laughs> was look around, um, okay, what's going on in Silicon Valley in terms of food rescue? And I started to do some research and poke around, and I don't know, I just couldn't really sell in on anything. And then, to make a long story short, <laughs> um, I was notified by a very famous think tank here in Silicon Valley called Joint Venture Silicon Valley. And they asked me if I would come and talk to them. They were involved in some kind of food rescue. So I said, sure. And I went in and spoke with the CEO, Russ Hancock, a great guy, really had a wonderful meeting and learned that the county of Santa Clara had engaged um, joint venture Silicon Valley, the think tank, with the task of coming up with some a solution to address the issues of waste and food insecurity 
and the Bay Area, well, specifically in the county of Santa Clara. Uh, and so they had um, three years and a pile of money to do that. And I was brought in at the point where uh, they had used up a year and a half and half the money and um, hadn't really come up with a solution that seemed like it was going to work. Well, oh my gosh, I felt like I found a puppy in the street and <laughs> really wasn't intending to take on anything this huge, um, but I decided to um, accept their offer to help. And so I started to look at the area, the region, I realized that it was really the same size as the region in Michigan we were supporting. And there, in fact, were the same number of people. But what was unique about Silicon Valley, and what was really exciting was I discovered it was a very rich concentration of food, uh, of um, universities and corporate campuses that were generating um, enormous amounts of food waste uh, because the food was, it was fresh and perishable and it had nowhere to go. So it was being carted off to landfills. And of course we know what that's, what that can do. All that waste, food waste produces an enormous amount of methane gas. It's one of the, uh, the, the biggest, uh, um, um, producers of methane gas in landfills. And so the reduction of waste, food waste is a high priority. So, uh, you know, I started thinking, okay, how are we going to move this food to the people who need it without having to add, gosh, you know what, I'm going to pause this conversation and see if I can reduce the sound from the outside. Can I do that? Yes, sir. No, no, you're not perfect. at all. We're just no, gonna we're gonna start from wherever you'd like, okay. and remembering that we can cut and edit this in any way. Okay. So, you are not. Let me just again acknowledge: No, <laughs> you are not talking too much. Please share, and um, because I think it's some really neat information that not a lot of people are aware of here in Santa Clara County, Nancy. And and I think it would be definitely beneficial for everyone to know. Plus, I kind of like you and I like listening to you. So it's just that. Okay, well, if you want me to like slow up so you can ask questions or interact, that kind no, of format, I'm happy to not, do that. Not at all. We're going to, like what the thought is, and I know we're recording and we can cut this out, but the thought is, is that as you um communicate the history and then you get up to a current uh, uh activity space yeah. we'll start to talk about your creation a la carte and then i'm gonna try to maintain my composure um uh however that's where i came aboard with loaves and fishes is a la carte so there's i'd love to discuss yeah. that too okay. so again so we'll just pause and then you can start from wherever you'd like to and we'll edit accordingly Okay, so, okay, let's see, where did I leave off? Um, we were talking about the joint venture, and then we talked about uh, the, well, we. I'm sure you were alluding uh, soon to Stanford. Yeah, and then that. the, yeah. yeah, so we were, All right, I it. think that was being teed up, right. yeah. 
Okay, so I'm thinking, I'm asking myself, um, what could work here in this area? And the one difference between uh, what I witnessed in Detroit and here in Silicon Valley was this these enormous numbers of universities and corporate campuses all within a relatively close um, geographic vicinity. And, and, and there is, you know, Detroit's kind of a poor area and this is a very wealthy area. I'm thinking, okay, but what this area doesn't have, which is very disappointing, is um, enough refrigeration, enough um, uh, storage for the kinds of food that I was used to dealing with. And so I had to come up with some kind of model that would not require any kind of sorting or uh, refrigeration that would tax the current system. And so I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna try this. I created a, um, a, a actual food truck. I thought, okay, what's gonna, what's, what is a way to distribute food to people in a dignified way? And I envisioned a trendy food truck that would look like any other food truck, but it would be refrigerated and designed in a way that could accept the most amount of food, the largest capacity, and then the driver could take the food, pick up the food from these different places, and then drive it right to um, neighborhoods where people need the food, where they have little access to food, Ho uh, homeless encampments or um, senior centers, uh, families who are struggling as I did once and take the food directly to them, pop open the food truck, you know, make it attractive, allow people to approach the truck in a dignified way without having to register or feel at risk, order anything they want from the truck, take as much as they want, take it home to other people, pick it up on their, pick up the food on their way uh, from picking up their kids, you know, normalize it. And um, the folks at the county and and, uh, and uh, all around all the cities, I spoke to all the mayors, they were all very uh, interested in this idea and thought it could work. So I got a lot of help. Um, it was a giant committee and I committed to joint venture to design the program, create uh, a strategic plan and bring someone on board who could actually take it over after I did this because I really wasn't interested in doing the work. I'm a lot older now and I was looking at some of retirement <laughs> and actually still working with clients and family here. And I knew that that was going to be a full-time job that I wasn't able to do. So I brought somebody aboard to help me out with this. She was amazing. Um, and then it was like, okay, where are we going to launch this project? Once we get the truck, we're going to order the truck, we're going to outfit it. Then where are we going to start picking up the food? Well, I thought we should start at the top. You know, where should we go where people will perk up and say, oh my gosh, they're doing it? Well, I want to do this too. So we approached Stanford. We got with them and we said, this is what we want to do. This is our proposal. We know that you have a lot of uh, food generators here. There are a lot of restaurants and you're feeding a lot of people. There's Stanford Hospital. How do you feel about this? And they said, yes, we're on board. And so they became our first partner and we started picking up food. So now uh, the, the, 
little project that's turned into a very large project is called a la carte. And one of the pieces of uh, the strategic plan was to find a permanent home for a la carte. It couldn't stay with joint venture. Joint venture is a think tank and a la carte needed to have a home with people who speak the same language and would know how to, <laughs> to uh, you know, help it along, how to grow the project, how to grow the program. And early on, I thought, um, I have a dear friend who I think would be perfect for this project. And we brought David Hack into <laughs> the picture and said, David, you know, you must look at a la carte. And I just really think that this is a match made in heaven. David, maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about. You know, when Nancy had that conversation, you know, when Nancy had that conversation with me, um, and I get tears because I remember that distinctly and it'll be every one of us can think of a game changing and or life changing conversation. Nancy pulled me aside and told me that, David, all you need to do is be David. And that may mean nothing to you. However, to me, that means a great deal, because each time that I have a bumpy day, I think about that conversation, Nancy. So I thank you. And those of you that don't know Nancy, if Nancy suggests that you look at something, you just do it because that's Nancy. You just do it because she's not going to tell you to do something that isn't going to be a benefit. And I have found that making the choice and decision to get involved with a la carte was a life changing experience. And we have been able to uh, bring the a la carte program from that concept and that startup into an organization that already had operations set. And we've been able to grow it from that one vehicle that Nancy helped to design and create to now we have five vehicles that are dedicated to its process. Look at that on our way to hundred. And we have, you know, another group of vehicles that we use to help to support. We've, we've integrated food recovery into every aspect of our operation at Loaves and Fishes to include a prepared meal program to include our refrigerated uh, vehicles that you designed. And, you know, Nancy mentioned earlier about the dignified way and dignified process at which we serve the community. Her mural on the side of the vehicle has received so many compliments <laughs> related to how the vehicle presents itself. So Nancy, kudos, uh, the design and concept uh, happened and yes, I have worked very hard to validate and, and teach and train the team. And, and I've been supported with Mauricio and Gisela with the uh, ability to just be open and free with how we do it. So I, I you know, again, I, I thank you, Nancy. And so that's all a card. I'm not going to, I could go on all day about how <laughs> proud I am about all a card. Um, you know, I say this saying, I'm a hippie with short hair. And that is. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and with every every community that we go into, every conversation that we have related to food recovery, I sit on the board of NCRA. I'm very actively involved in CRRA, which are organizations that are focused on the effort. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful beginning. And Nancy, I thank you for helping me to look this way. So back to you, Nancy. What what would you you know you 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 describe so many wonderful things that occurred during the evolution of the program. Um, how do you see things now, now 
in the effort that you started like what what do you see as 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 next steps for you know we always talk about the law sp 1383 which focuses on reducing food waste and then reducing of course ghg greenhouse gas and we talk specifically about methane so you created this wonderful program could you share with us what happened next, like next steps with the evolution? Because I'll keep going. I'll just keep talking and I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, that's a big question. Um, but before I answer that, I just want to say how pleased I am, how proud I am of the work that Loaves and Fishes does and what a match made in heaven this really is, that a la carte is part of Loaves and Fishes. Uh, I, I see this... Um, a la carte project as you know the future of a la carte is secure it's sustainable with loaves and fishes and it's going to grow there will be uh, a la carte food trucks all over the bay area it will be they'll be everywhere and yes let the national <laughs> model you know yeah. for other cities because it doesn't you know it, it can happen anywhere anywhere where there's a concentration of edible food that is um that that needs to be uh, on people's tables instead of yeah. landfills. Yeah. definitely we we get a lot of phone calls uh, about uh, if we serve different communities like alameda berkeley oakland all the time nancy mm -hmm. they recognize this they've seen us around they're like oh my god we need this here just like everything else trying to, trying to figure out the logistic uh of it, the food source and distribution and everything else. So we've been very strategic and, and thoughtful about not just growing for growing purposes, but doing it sustainably, right? Make sure that uh, if we go to a location, we have enough food coming in so we can distribute and so forth because there's investment on trucks, uh, people, and everything else. So we need to make sure that uh, that is uh, kind of thought uh, strategically on that sense. But again, thank you so much for you know, creating a program that uh, took loads of fishes into a, a little different direction. You know, we were already a soup kitchen on steroids. We started mass producing food and distributing to a lot of locations uh, besides a couple of our own meal serving sites. And But it's hard to open uh, meal serving sites, a.k.a. Soup, soup kitchens anywhere. People don't want it. The NIMBYs will tell you now. Even you can cook the food, they're like, you know, they're... Every time you approach them and says, yes, we would like to feed, you know, our most vulnerable uh, folks. And that includes some house uh, neighbors. You know, they like cringe and they're like, nope, that's not happening here. I'll just give you money. Go do it someplace else. Right. And uh, with this, gave them the ability to find other sources of uh, uh, outlets, you know, the schools and uh, other type of things. And so it was wonderful because he opened up a lot of opportunity for lots of fishes to continue uh pushing uh, our mission forward and being able to uh, to help more more neighbors. And here's the thing is, why cook the food if it's already being cooked out there and all we need to do is pick it up and distribute it, right? So so that was, uh, I'm very thankful that we, we ran into each other and I was able to connect at that point with Robin and and it worked out. You know, here we are uh, three years later and uh, it's, you know, like David said, five trucks and uh, you know, we're, you know, he's already thinking about a six one. So we got to figure out how that's going to happen. No, a hundred more. I'm thinking about a hundred more. Like, I'm not thinking about six. And, and to, to his point, it's we've, we've been very mindful about the need yeah. 
to be uh, careful about how we uh, organically grow the program. And um, it's it's such a, a wonderful experience because it's a new um, aspect of my learning career, my career learning. Uh, I've always been in the operations aspect of my career. And this is just another level of excitement because I get to be that hippie with short hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and I'm very, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that, you know, my most favorite location to, to, to deliver those meals in the vehicle that you designed is schools and, uh, you know, going in and talking to principals about the program and earning the trust, you know, and we've even taken our prepared meal vehicles, Nancy, and started a pilot program last year to use the vehicles in the same way we do an a la carte truck. However, it's our prepared meals in packages that we can serve hot and cold meals using the same model that you designed. So it, it really is something that can be utilized. It's a model that works. And, and, and that's what we say on every call and, and definitely every discussion. This is a model that works. Right. So let us let us get involved in helping and collaborate together because there are some cities that don't have the resources to spend a hundred hundred thousand dollars on a vehicle mm-hmm. however four cities could and then they could they could work together and and the fortunate thing is is we've learned a lot in the past three years mm-hmm. about how to do it the right way right so i, I don't want to make it the david shore the <laughs> local, right however i'm very proud of this program i and i'm very grateful um that you you asked me to look at it and get involved and and each time we we reach a milestone. I send you a photo. Hey, <laughs> you know, I love them. I love them. So, David, you asked me. You know, um, both of you asked me, uh, "What's the next step? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we think beyond a la carte?" And I, um, and this tears at my heart all the time because I see what's going on. I see what Detroit was able to do. In fact, I was there recently for the ribbon cutting of a brand new building we built. Uh, which is the size of, well, the sorting room is the size of three football fields. It's enormous. It was, it cost $17 million, which is not that much money. And um, it, it it will enable us to um, double the amount of uh, food that we're able to rescue and provide that many more meals to people with food insecurity. This should be happening here in the Bay Area. There's no reason not to. It's the same geographic size, the same number of people. Why don't we have that here? I actually think we need two of them uh, positioned because the the area is long. The valley is is um, you know length, lengthwise north and south long, but I think that this is what we need to be doing here. Um, and I think loaves and fishes can spearhead this. I I believe it because I believe in loaves and fishes. I believe in the two of you. Thank you. I I see the work you've been doing this for decades and you're you're really so mission driven and and you're so capable and I'm I'm so proud of you. And I do believe that you could do this, that you could um put up facilities that um that target uh huge sources of food, large grocery district distributors, all the grocery stores. Uh, in Detroit, we have Kroger, which is like Safeway here. 
we pick up all the food from all the Kroger's, all the Costco's, all the Sam's Clubs. And it's brought back to this huge facility and it's sorted. And there is some storage, overnight storage, and then it's loaded onto these semi-trucks. We have 37 of those. And the next day it's distributed across three counties, the size of Silicon Valley, the size of this area, this the Bay Area. It can be done here. I, I, there's no question about it. I'm 100% sure that it could be done here. Why shouldn't it be done here? We have the financing to do this. We could really address the hunger issue here, which is just a travesty altogether to, for there to be any hunger in this country. And this can be done. And that's what I see. And I've been, since I've been here, I've been here six years now. I've been on the megaphone <laughs> with this idea. <laughs> listening. No one's listening. So I had to start with a la carte. But <clears throat> I do believe the next step is um, is putting up these facilities in strategic places where, where collection and distribution, collection, resorting, and distribution can take place. Um, it, we have tried to do this with our food bank here, which is phenomenal, food banks, but there's no room, there's no space, and it, it, the vision can't happen there. It has to happen somewhere else. So it's a conversation. And you know what's neat is that we're in the process of building, hi, Ronnie, um, we're in the process of building the uh, our new commercial kitchen in San Jose, and a portion <laughs> and a portion of that will have a repurposing section. So there'll be a third of the the it's it's not a huge footprint. However, it's a way for us to educate ourselves in the process of receiving more of that type of 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 food stuff, right? Repurpose it and then send it out through a cart. So we'll have a little our own little uh, uh, I'll call it scientific method or scientific experiment on how to do it in a mindful and efficient way and then we can expand upon there so i agree we you know and, and and second harvest of silicon valley has done such a wonderful job collaborating also with a la carte we've been able to set up agreements that they set up like with the costcos and the safeways and the sun baskets there in morgan hill we've been able to glean from those opportunities and collaborate in a relationship and receive those those items. And we're on our way into San Mateo County as the law uh, expectations change into, you know, we focused on tier one producers. Now we'll be focused, focusing on tier two producers. Um, San Mateo County is wide open uh, from, from that perspective. And we've got some really good contacts going there. So I think you're right. I think that is absolutely true that we need that. And it all goes back to funding, right? And it goes back to, you know, I think about all the, the buildings that are vacant at mm -hmm. this time, that if we just had one of those buildings that, you know, the, the wonderful things that we could do, right? So don't think for a second that we aren't also the bullhorn. Um, I'm a loud person and I talk a lot. <laughs> and so every opportunity that I get to communicate what we do, we do. And, you know, you're absolutely right. With with as wealthy as our area is, I think there's definite opportunities in improving upon uh, opening up food access. And why put it in the ground? Yeah, and I, what Please. you're doing by um, adding this 
component to loaves and fishes is the smartest thing you can do because you will get a feel for it on a smaller level. You'll realize, just as you did with a la carte, hey, this works, this works. And you'll be saying that soon. You'll be going, oh my gosh, this works to bring in this food, to sort it and send it back out again. That's the model. And, and then you'll know, you really know what you're doing and you'll be ready to tackle a larger space. A Forgotten Harvest in Detroit uh, also bought a building that was vacant. That was our first major uh, project. I and mean, we, we had been doing it in, out of smaller spaces, but we took on this huge building that was, you know, a vacant space. And, and you know, we kept outgrowing our buildings and having moved yeah. um, But we, um, we really did it there. We had a kitchen where we could bring in raw food cook it up just like what you have and then yeah. sort it into meals and then send it out. And, you know, you, you just feel your way along and you realize, <clears throat> oh my gosh, we can do this. We can do this. Frankly, you could do it all. You will do it all. <laughs> I know you will. I, I think it's already happened. We just haven't caught up with it. It's, it's such an exciting uh, journey that when you tell the story, people will want to be a part of it. And I just want to say to your listening audience that you might be listening to this and thinking, well, I am just one person. What can I do? Well, I'm here to tell you, I was one person with one Jeep. And and each of you can contribute in the way that you can. Every person's contribution matters. Whatever you can do, whatever small thing, if if you can volunteer, you know, for a couple hours a week helping out at Loaves and Fishes, or you've got some ideas you want to contribute, or you've got a pile of money and you want to write a check, or you say, you know what, I want, I want a truck. I want to, I would like to contribute enough money that could put another truck on the road, and I want my name on it. Fine, we'll put your name on it. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will. That's what you want to do. Um, there, there is something each one of us can do to help this effort, and everyone's welcome under this umbrella. We look forward to having all of you join us. Thank you so much, Nancy. And again, I, I just want to thank um, you know Cal EPA for providing the funding to help us to put forth this 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 effort of trying to connect those that are working together at the interests that we're all focused on and that's trying to help mother earth helping to support food insecurity helping to look at creative ways to collaborate together um, to find solutions and uh, so thank you cal epa and also nancy thank you so much for your time um, you know you've you've done this program and and my experience with this program has been just extremely wonderful and it's not stopping here and, and we are <laughs> going to continue to look forward and uh so again uh, thank you thank you Nancy. and thank you for Mauricio. having me you know uh it was a thank you so much for sharing the story and, and everything else i mean like your job is your work is inspirational because you didn't have to do it to just you know, it's only just something clicking. You did it, Nancy, and you didn't ask for anything. You were just running around doing the stuff, and and I think you inspired other people to to join the cause. You know, like the folks that gave you that first band uh, back in Detroit, and uh, and that's what everybody needs to do. You mentioned it earlier. 
you know, everybody needs to do a little bit of uh, on their own. We had conversations with a phone, a bunch of different folks in this program, and you know, everybody's always waiting for that, you know, a government uh, law or magic wand or whatever to solve all our problems. That's not gonna happen. All of us gotta do something a little bit at a time. That could be wasting less food at home or be any perishables that you think you're not going to finish. Donate them before they're too late to somebody else that can use them, right? Um, maybe get your own little composting machine at home or there's just so many little things that all of us can do, right? And uh, volunteer if you don't have the, the money to donate, right? I, I mean, I think it's just getting involved and not waiting for things to come to us. We need to... Uh, we we need to go to those things and 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 do that and that's the, that's the same message we've been getting from a lot of our speakers. People just gotta get involved. We can't just sit back and wait anymore. I mean, there's so much food being wasted, and the problem is, is also we're destroying the environment and whatever's left of Earth uh, by not doing those right things. We're on a tipping point. People don't like to talk about it. I spent some time in Europe uh, about a month ago, and I will tell you this much. In, in in England and in Spain, they're taking global warming very seriously. You see all the vehicles are, are turning into electrical vehicles. There's recycling message everywhere, reuse, repurpose. They talk about it. There it's in everybody's mind and, and, and that, you know, talking to Uber drivers or whatever, they're talking about this. You know, the heat wave, oh my God, this is global warming. This is recent and you're like, well that doesn't happen at home, right? And uh, and I think we need to take that seriously. Uh, and you're right; we're one of the most wealthiest places in the in the planet, probably the most wealthy country overall in the planet. But I think we're doing the least of uh, of some of those things that we need to do to to really make a difference. Uh, that's you know kind of my soapbox on, on that. And uh, but yes, I see it. We need to get involved. We need to do little things. So again, thank you so thank you so much for joining us, telling the story, sharing some very personal stuff that is appreciated. Um, and I'm just grateful that I was here to listen to it, and I hope our uh, audience will enjoy it. David, any last uh, thoughts? Nancy, anything else you want to throw in there before we wrap up our, our, our interview? To you, Nancy, would, would there be anything that you'd want to share? No, I think we've really covered it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just you know, want to say one more thing to the audience. You know, really don't hesitate. If you want to join the effort, you know, every every small step is included in a larger picture. And uh, your footprint makes a difference. And we accept trucks. <laughs> just yeah. you know and we'll put we your do. name on it you know it takes it takes six months to build one of the vehicles that we use for our distribution so it's something that is is a large ask however uh with that would be uh absolutely excited about putting your name on the side of a vehicle or the back of the vehicle as big as you'd like the logo and all jokes aside i'm very very pleased with the fact that i'm involved in the effort with loaves and fishes and that i came aboard the uh, the loaves and fishes organization i think that the the mission that we have um, is in line with the mission that you uh, definitely put into into perspective for all of us so i want to again thank our listeners and uh I appreciate your time and uh, I wish all of you the best in your future. Think of ways that you can get involved. And if you're not certain, give me a call. Um, I'd be happy <laughs> to participate in that dialogue and conversation. Again, thank you all. 
Thank you very much. We'll put links to uh, a lot of the things that we talked about today, and uh, including uh, all the work that Nancy's done. And uh, thank you very much again. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until next time, ciao.